And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Welcome. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at sci-fi for me.com. Happy to be here. Happy to have all of you here. I see Douglas and Robert in the chat. Good to see you here as well. The chat is open because we are live. Broadcasting to Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. And uh, Douglas says, nice intro. Have not watched this in a long time. First time watching it live. Well, welcome. Good. Good to have you here live. Memorex is fine, too. I mean, there's, there's no stigma around watching it after the fact. That's fine, too. You can also listen to this program. Uh, it is available in podcast form on all the different podcast players. Uh, so if you uh, feel so inclined, you want to take us with you and listen on the go, you can do that too. Um, the email address, live from the bunker at sci fi4me.com. I am going to attach a purpose to that particular item here in a moment. We're on all of the socials, most of the socials. A number of socials. I'll just throw all of that list up there for you to see, along with our mailing address, our PayPal tip jar, the newsletter sign up, all the different video platforms where you can find us. I'm still debating. I'm still debating whether or not to get on together. I know a lot of people are talking about it. They've had 700,000 signups in the last couple of days since Joe Rogan went over there. It's one more. It's one more, and I just, I just don't know. I, part of me, part of me is sitting here thinking, okay, we put, we don't put all of our eggs in one basket and depend just on Twitter, because at some point, somewhere down the line, maybe somebody will get offended at something that I say, and then you know we'll get kicked off of Twitter. Or Facebook or something. I, I I I feel like that could be coming, but um, I don't know. Well, it's 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 one of those things. All right, let me see if this is gonna work. If the chat, there it is. Robert says I need more monitors. I you know I've been thinking about this. I've been thinking about it. Um. I've got one over here that's attached to it's attached to another computer. Um, I've been thinking because because the the current configuration as it is, if you if you look here, I've got the stream control panel. All of the stream monitoring is up here on this on this monitor. I've got my usual source when I pull up any any websites or anything's over on here chat chat and comments and and zoom calls on this one and my control panel for the show is here but I I need to 
maybe I need to spread out a little bit more. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Douglas is talking about Doctor Who any today. Have not seen the Boba Fett show yet. Review. Um, okay. So, oh, Robert, Robert's got a good question. Is there no aggregation poster software where you enter a post once and it squeezes out to all media sites? We do have an account on Hootsuite. And uh, I think TweetDeck is probably another one where this can happen. But we have so many different social media platforms where we have an account. The free version only lets us connect to, I think, three, maybe. And we have, let's see, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. Well, Instagram and Pinterest would not be in the blast. So Facebook, Instagram... Me, we, minds, gab, porn, locals. Seven, eight. If we got on ga- uh, on 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 Getter, I mean, that would be a lot, and we'd have to get a paid account, and those things are not cheap. So we just we just plug along and and do what we can with what we have. Um, although, if anybody is interested in volunteering to help with our social media management. I'm open to having that discussion. All right, so I uh, do want to say, I mentioned the, the podcast uh, platforms and, and the audio version of this show. I do want to welcome our new listeners in Nigeria. There's a country on the map that I have not, uh, I have not seen uh, show up uh, before. We get this little nice little map that shows various different places where people are listening to our shows. And uh, right now I'm seeing Germany and Sweden and the UK and Nigeria, brand new, uh, brand new on the map. So I'm, I'm pleased to see that. Welcome. All right. I, I posted on social media when I did the links to the show out, I said, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about today. So Douglas have, has asked about Doctor Who and has asked about, uh, about Boba Fett. Um, no spoilers on the book of Boba Fett, but I thought the first episode of the new show was a little slow and I'm not quite sure that I'm enjoying what they're doing to basically retcon the Tuscan Raiders the sand people um, I, I I get it we we've always had this brief shorthand they're bad guys trying to kill you in the desert type of thing. And there's really nothing in the original lore to establish one way or the other what their culture is, their belief system, their their family structure, social structure, anything like that. I get it. We didn't have that. So the show is filling in some of those blanks. The Mandalorian did a little bit of that too. And okay, fine. It's just not the direction that I would take. Not, not every character especially on the villain side, not every villain, not every uh, obstacle character, let's call it, needs a backstory, needs a, needs a, a, to be fully fleshed out and dimensional and, and everything else. I, it's early yet. I know this is the beginning of establishing whatever relationship that Boba Fett ends up having with the, with the Sand People, but I don't know, this first episode was just... Hmm, Eh, maybe. 
We'll see where it goes. It, it just doesn't feel like this is Boba Fett to me. And and that's just, that's my opinion. I just, you know, it, if, you, if you have a different opinion, this, that's perfectly fine too. So, uh, with regard to Doctor Who, I have not seen, I have not seen any of Jody's run. I'll, I'll put that out there. Uh, Douglas says, even the Daleks I thought was good was basically the Whoverse version of Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, it's, it's the, the Doctor, the Doctor gets killed by the Daleks over and over and over again in a time loop. But we've seen the time loop with the Doctor dying over and over and over and over again with Peter Capaldi's character. When he's busting through that, that wall and takes billions of years to get there, and when he gets out the other side, he's on Gallifrey. So this is not an original idea. And of course, it's not original to Doctor Who either. They've done it in Stargate. They've done it in... Oh, where else have they done time loops? They've done time loops in Star Trek. They've done time loops in... Well, Doctor Strange, you know, talking to, to Dormammu here at the end of the movie. So it's not an original idea. It's not a unique thing to the show. What? Ground, uh, yeah, Groundhog Day. I think Stargate probably did it the best. But that's just me. Um, I don't know. Uh, Douglas says, Jody is hit and miss, hoping 14th Doctor is better. She's better than Colin Baker. I give her that. Well, okay. I'm going to qualify my answer to that because I'm old school. My doctor was the fourth doctor, Tom Baker. And Colin Baker's doctor does not get a chance to flourish and shine until you get into the Big Finish, Big Finish audio adventures. Um, there are stories, there are behind-the-scenes stories about Colin Baker's time on the show, and it sounds very much like... Besides a clash of personalities, the the waning the waning interest that people had in the show, and we saw you know eventually in Sylvester McCoy's run, the show gets canceled after what I think three three years that uh, that McCoy was the Doctor. But I think they had, I think they had issues with. Uh, with Colin behind the scenes. Uh, I think there were some, some personality clashes with the producers at the time. And they didn't like what Baker wanted to do with the character. And so they killed him off. They fired him. Rather unceremoniously. Uh, and, and so the Big Finish audio stories... A lot of people, I've not sat and listened to, to too many of them, but a lot of people have said that Colin Baker really comes un, comes into his own as the Sixth Doctor in the Big Finish stories. So I think, and, and, and to connect that to Jody being hit and miss, this goes back to something that I've said a number of times where you can have the greatest performer in the world in that role whatever the role is, whatever the story is. But if your writing is crap, then no amount of talent is going to save it. 
it might make it a little bit more palatable. It might make it easier to endure. But it's not going to do something that's just going to elevate. The, the performance of the actor impacts the overall package, yes. But your starting material is the script. And if the script is garbage, your, your talent can only elevate that so high. And it can still be bad. So maybe Jody didn't catch a break. Maybe Jody just got handed a bunch of crap scripts and she did the best she could with it. And people hate the run. People don't like the run. People are disinterested in the run. People love the run, whatever, whatever. Um, and every doctor gets those clunker scripts. Every doctor gets those stories that are just kind of, I watched it. I don't want to watch it again. Um, I mean, Mr. Harvey frequently makes noise about aliens in London, which is, I think, a tenth, it might be a ninth Doctor, maybe a tenth Doctor episode about the uh, Slitheine. I think that, I think those are Slitheine. But it's, a, it's, it's just goofy episodes. But every, you know, classic run, modern run, some scripts are better than others, and some, some Doctors are more, better received than others. Um, it just, you know, <sighs> so yeah, Douglas, the pilot for the 96 Fox TV show that never took off was the only who we got in the nineties was good and underrated relaunch series took a lot from it with bigger scope and younger cast. Yeah. I, that I think, I think the um, the Fox movie did a lot to help raise awareness of Doctor Who in the in the the modern public zeitgeist, I guess, if you will. Because prior to that, you only had Doctor Who showing up on PBS and. Not everybody knew about it. Uh, and only if you were watching PBS and if you were interested in British television programming. So it was a very niche audience at that point. And then, of course, you know, BBC cancels Sylvester McCoy's run and, and it's gone for a while. And then we get this show. And in, in the meantime, you had the books that are kind of not really sort of canon-ish, maybe if you squint at it a certain sideways way. Uh, but the the TV movie was basically an attempt to revive it with an American audience and see what happens. It was, it was a big experiment. And at one point, I think Steven Spielberg was even involved with it. I think Amblin was going to be involved. I don't know if they... I don't know if they... I don't think they were fi finally involved in the last... In the, in the one that actually happened or not. But the ratings were such, and Fox said, "Yeah, no, we're not going to do any more." And but but it did prime the pump. I think it did kind of sort of get get Doctor Who on the radar of more people in the United States, so that when it's revived, and of course now, the proliferation of cable and digital TV and and all these streaming stream. I mean, streaming wasn't a thing in two thousand was two thousand five. Doctor Who came back in 2005, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. So streaming wasn't a huge thing yet, but cable was. And you had, you know, BBC America was bringing a lot of British stuff over here, and people were rediscovering Doctor Who and Classic Who, and of course, they, you know, Davies brings it back as a continuation, and it does gangbusters for a while, and hopefully it will again. But I think Chibnall has done a lot of damage to the show. Whether intentional or not, good in, you know, good intentions being what they are, I'm not going to sit there and, and, and ascribe evil machinations and motivations to, to Chris Chibnall. I don't think that he set out to destroy the franchise. Having said that, though, the reaction online to a lot of what Chibnall has done has been very, very vocal and very loud and very visceral. And Russell T. Davies has got a pretty big... A uh, big job ahead of him to not only continue to deliver high-quality Doctor Who that justifies the BBC putting in the money to produce Doctor Who, and of course Bad Wolf coming in as a co-production company, that's that's going to alleviate some of BBC's expenses. But Davies also has to surmount the ill will that has been around for the last couple of two, three years, too. He, he not only has to, has to essentially rebuild the show with a new doctor, which is a good stepping off point for him. He's like, okay, we're just starting from scratch. But he's also got to bring back and win back those fans who saw Chibnall's run and said, I'm out, done, finished, don't care. So it's a challenge. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what Davies is going to do. And we're hearing, I think, di didn't we get a news that Moffat was going to write some scripts? Yeah. Moffat's going to be involved as well. And to me, this feels like BBC is scrambling. It feels like, okay, we goofed. How do we fix this? The show's in, whether the show is in free fall or not, the ratings are bad. Merchandise sales, who knows what those are? Probably not very well. And it could very well be that the, the commissioners there at BBC, whoever's in charge of, the, in, of, of that agency, are looking and saying, okay, how do we fix this? What do we do? And the cost sharing that's probably going to happen between BBC and Bad Wolf may be the only reason why they continue with the show. We were hearing the rumors that it might be it might be canceled, but it's entirely possible that that Bad Wolf comes in and Davies comes in and says, "All right, look, we can fix this. Just let us do it." It's kind of like a a a, a Sony Marvel kind of deal, right? BBC is Sony. BBC's been making Spider-Man and it doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. So Sony wraps up and, and gives makes a deal to, to Marvel for Spider-Man to show up in the MCU. Well, BBC is Sony. And Doctor Who is now the Spider-Man property. And we recognize we're not the ones who are going to be able to make a successful product. Uh, you, Russell T. Davies, you're, you're now our Kevin Feige. You fix this. And Feige and Marvel Studios in the form of Bad Wolf, you know, and I, it's, a, it's a bad analogy, but m m the Marvel 
in this equation is Bad Wolf. And they're going to probably take on some uh, some of the expense, if not all the expense, split the offense, uh, split the, the expense. We don't want to split the offense. We don't want the show to offend anyone anymore. Uh, Douglas, that's a good point. Sony is not no. Sony is not only working with Bad Wolf. Sony bought Bad Wolf. Sony now owns Bad Wolf, if I remember correctly. So that that's that's likely to put an interesting spin on things too, because if that happens, because I remember talking to Mrs. Boss about this, and I said, "What do you think of the odds?" That if Sony were to acquire Bad Wolf, which is now the co-production company of Doctor Who, what are the odds that maybe Sony is looking ahead with an eye towards a Doctor Who show, uh, a Doctor Who movie? Maybe. Could this be possibly a way for Davies to get into more film productions as well? Is this Davy could this be Davies' entry point into motion pictures and feature films? Because he's primarily I he's primarily television. Now I haven't seen anything official that this deal has gone through, but the talks are happening. And I think that would be very, very interesting to see about that. Uh, Robert said, I bought a retro TARDIS coffee mug. Chimel was rumored to want to replace the TARDIS. Well, uh, there have been a few... Uh, redesigns on the TARDIS. The thing is, it wasn't really so much that Chimnall wanted to replace the TARDIS. The BBC, if I recall correctly, the BBC was sitting there thinking, well, maybe we need to change the exterior of the box. And maybe it's not a blue police box anymore because now you got all of the political thing with the defund the police and the police are bad guys and yada, yada, yada. And... Maybe we need to not be a not be a police box anymore, which I think is a stupid idea. I mean, the the police box as it exists in the show, I don't think those things are even around anymore. And your millennials and the offended class are not even going to recognize what a phone booth is. So I I wouldn't change it. It's iconic. And you look at it and you see blue police box and you think TARDIS. You don't think police box. At least in my mind, I don't know. Uh, Douglas says the doctor needs to be male. Give Romana or River Song their own show instead of making female just my take on it. I'm of two minds about this. It can be successfully argued because there was there was mention of this if i recall correctly there was mention of this in the in the classic run because tom baker was even saying you could make the doctor female 
when when he was on the way out. But I do think that we should get uh, we should get an updated Romana. I think that would be fun. Um, do we also then want um, what's her name? Um, my mind just went blank. This happens. This happens when you get older, folks. Um, hello, American Comics Company. Good to see you in the chat as well. Um, oh, shoot. What was her name? You're not going to know. Um, all right. Where can I find that quickly? Um, no. IMDB listing for Doctor Who? <laughs> All right, hold on just a second because um she's she was the villain who pretended to be Mel when Doctor Who okay, hold on. I think I I think I can find this. Sorry, let me, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it and then I'm gonna remember, of course, that's who that is. So if if okay, now it's a race. If somebody in the chat wants to see if they can get it to me before I find it. Um not Alex Kingston, the, 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 um, she's a villain. Let me find the season because episode guys, 695 episodes listed in the, um, okay. So I'm going to look at McCoy's McCoy's first season and Is it, is it Remembrance? No. Let's see here. Let me go back here real quick. He had three, I think he had three runs. Yeah, the Ronnie! The Ronnie. Bring her back. See, because essentially what you did by making the Master a female, by making the Master into Missy, you gave us the Ronnie without giving us the Ronnie. Kate O'Mara as the Ronnie? Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. No, Kate... Oh, 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 I see. I see what you... No, Kate O'Mara... Kate O'Mara? Hold on. Let me look here. Okay. I'm thinking uh, when I when I saw Omara, I was thinking, um, what's her name from Fantastic Four, from the from the um, from the last one. But that's not Omara. That's Mara. Ooh, I like the idea of Jillian Anderson as the Ronnie. That would be fun. That would be very fun. I think, oh, that could, that, that absolutely could work. And you could incorporate River Song in, although I think her story is pretty much played out in the show. She's got her own audio adventures now. But I think she's pretty much played out in the show. But, you know, bring the Ron, bring the Ronnie back. 
Why not? And I and I think we completely do away with any kind of romantic story arcs between the doctor and anybody. Doctor's an alien. Doctor's not human. Doctor has two hearts, remember? So, I think, uh, um, I think we need to remember that. Uh, Douglas had suggested also Hel Helena Bonham Carter. Robert says Jillian and Helena are both great choices. Um, yeah, I, Helena Bonham Carter could work, but <laughs> um, I think. Oh, now I kind of want to see a Doctor Who episode directed by Tim Burton. And I and I don't know that that would be a very good idea, but at the same time, at, why not do a do an entire season, six episodes, eight episodes with stunt directors, right? Do an episode directed by Tim Burton, an episode directed by Michael Bay, an episode directed by uh, Catherine Bigelow. An episode directed by Kenneth Branagh. I mean, sure, throw throw names in the director's chair. Just see what happens. Why not? Douglas says, yes, no romances, please. Liz Shaw or Romana type equal friendships are good. No more Rose type love story. I think that's probably where 10th, uh, the you know, tenants run probably went off the rails a little bit because a lot of people didn't like Rose as a companion. Uh, Robert says Helena makes a good posh woman, psycho woman combo. <laughs> That's about right. Um, and, and we almost got, we almost got a posh woman companion with, 19th century, 1800s Rose, the gov uh, not Rose, the governess, uh, the governess Clara, the first Clara, or the second Clara that we met. That's the companion that I wanted to see go forward in, in with that. But, you know, it is what it is. Uh, anyway, okay, so um, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a very quick break and let you see uh, one of the new one of the new promos. And when we get back, we'll continue with this uh, discussion here. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Hi, everyone. Jason Hunt here inviting you to join us every Saturday for news, science fiction, fantasy, and horror headlines from the week plus interviews, updates on events going on around the world, and the weather forecast for the same. It's all wrapped up in one neat package for your weekend. We call it Good Morning Multiverse, every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 Central, right here on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. Back live from the bunker, Jason Hunt here, along with you. 
And I guess we're talking Doctor Who a little bit. Um... Some of the uh, some of the buttons here, I'm having to deal with uh, audio things with the OBS software, and I, I gotta say I'm a little frustrated because at some point in one of the updates, uh, the 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 controls for the audio kind of went wonky. So if there's if there are delays in certain things in the stream, uh, one of the reasons for that is because. Um, having to push a button that normally I wouldn't have to push. And it's a little, it's a little frustrating. Little. Because I'm not quite sure why it's doing what it's doing. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. Because technology, right? It's, uh, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing. All right, so... There is uh, going about on the web, and this is something that I'm not going to talk about, but, you know, Streisand Effect being what it is, you're going to hear about it anyway if you haven't already. John Ridley apparently wrote a story for Superman Red Blue back a few months ago, and over the weekend it's just blowing up because of how it... It connects to a world's finest story from 1970. It's a two-part story that ran way back then. And it retcons certain aspects of it and implies certain things happened to Superman while he was a prisoner under red sun radiation and didn't have any powers. And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on it. I, it's not it's not worth my attention, and I don't think that it's you know it's not an argument worth diving into the drama on any of that. Uh, but Perch has done a very good uh, video on it. If you want to if you want to find that, Perch does some really good commentary and analysis on the comics industry. And I think a couple of things. Just just real quick takeaways. One. They did it to provoke a reaction, which they're getting now. And, of course, it's it's a few months after the fact, so I don't know what benefit DC is going to derive from it. Unless, unless it's to distract from the whole vixen is now gay thing and the writer of that story self-inserting and putting herself in the story as vixen's girlfriend. But we don't want to be talking about that, so let's talk about Superman being assaulted <clears throat> in a certain way back when he was a prisoner in in a 1970 story. And for some reason, that one is the one that's that's gained traction this week, and 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 it's it's not worth the drama, folks. It's just not worth the drama. But drama is clicks. Drama is traffic. Drama is marketing, and it's it, it's just a just as valid a marketing tactic as lying. Right? Remember, Stephen Moffat lies. Russell T Davies. I don't know if I don't know if Davies lied a whole lot when he's talking about Doctor Who or not. He he teased about a, a lot of different things. But I don't remember him lying so much. 
it's just one of those things. I just, you know, bleh, it's not worth the time. Uh, Douglas says, I read old comics. And, you know, comic book shops are making their bones right now with back issues. You know, go go into the go into the archive. You know, go into the go into the stockpiles and and if you're going to be doing that kind of thing, that's how that's how you support your local comic shops. All right, go buy back issues. I got a run that I've got to fig I've got to finish. Um, it was a it was a run from the from the eighties. And it was only something like 50 issues. Eric, Son of Stone or Son of Thunder or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Uh, I, right off the top of my head, i got to look it up. But I only have maybe four issues that are missing out of that entire run, and I need to go find them. So that's that's one of those things. Douglas asked about the Torchwood reboot or relaunch, good or bad idea. I'd say not yet. Let's see... Let's see if Davies can write the ship first, because he's talking about a a a a story verse. He's talking about a Doctor Who universe type of affair where you could have something like this, uh, where you have multiple shows that are set in the same universe, and it's maybe not always a Doctor Who program. It could be like. Sarah Jane, you know, Sarah Jane Chronicles or Torchwood or, you know, Life with the Ronnie. It could be something like that. Um, it wasn't Turok Son of Stone. It, it was a, it was a, um, it was a comic book. Let me, let me see if I can find it real quick. Um, yeah, here we go. Uh, Eric Son of Thunder. Yeah, it was. Yeah, we had a we had a box. We had some some people who go uh, and and repurpose and 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 buy and sell antiques and 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 storage units and that kind of thing. And she had a box of all these comic books. And there's almost a full run of Eric, Son of Thunder. Uh, this is um, uh, the the cover here by Gene Colan and Dick Giordano, and. It's not a bad run. It's it's not a bad story, but there's only 50 issues in the run. And I'm missing, I think, three or four. So I've got to find them. These are written by Roy Thomas, who eventually ended up doing Conan the Barbarian, Red Sonja, and, and you know, that, that, that group. But, yeah, it's... Uh, I gotta. I, I'm a. I'm a completist. I'm just like. I'm gonna have the full run if I find the other. The other four or five of these that I've. That I'm missing. So, uh, anyway, that's. That's a thing. I'm looking for that. Uh, Mazers in the chat. No relation to Dave Thomas of Wendy's. Hello, by the way. Yes, good to see you. Yeah, Roy Thomas. Not related to Dave Thomas, of Wendy's. Um. I saw a thing. All right, this is this is completely unrelated to everything that we've talked about so far. But the the idea here because you remind me with Dave Thomas being adopted, then my my brain goes zip 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 and I and I remember seeing a headline earlier this week. I want to say it was the AP. It might have been New York Post. 1 in 10 
one in 10 women don't know who the father of their babies are. I, I, that boggles my mind. Because one, I look at it and I think, surely that can't be right. That actually can't be a thing. This has got to be a parody headline, right? That's the Babylon Bee, right? But then I sit there and I think, don't call me Shirley. And in this day and age, it would not surprise me if that was accurate. And how sad is that? That it's easy-ish to believe that headline is accurate. I just, I, I just can't fathom people anymore. So, uh, Douglas says, used to have the first four of the Jim Lee X-Men run, but a lot of kids did it back in my day. All right, so I have a box. I have a box full of X-Men number one. But it's not that X-Men number one. It's a different... It's... I need to... I, it's, it's, a, it's a number one. But it's the one uh, from, I think, 1997. Uh, let me see if I can find it. Because this is the one... Um, I want to say it was 97. I don't think that's right, now that I think about it. Um, let me look here. X-Men, X-Men, X-Men. Here we go. Let's see. Is this the right one? There's no photograph. Let's see if I can find it, because it's in a box somewhere, and it would take too long to actually dig up the box. And pull one of these out, but I haven't. I have a lot of them. Uh, let me see if I can find it in a search here, real quick. Doesn't look like it's just going to show up, of course, because that would be too easy. But bum bum bum. I want to say it was a Jim Lee cover. Um, X Men number one. What volume was it? I want to say maybe. Is it volume? Aye. All right, so let's take that off and do that and see what this gives us. 1991. All right, so there, there's... It's... Um, okay, this is, this is not... Yeah, there, here we go. All right, so let me open image and new tab so you can see the full cover. And I know those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, you're just going to have to take my word for it. I, I have the picture of a comic book cover on the screen right now. X-Men number one from 1991. The first issue, a mutant milestone. It's got uh, Wolverine and Cyclops on the cover. Uh, and this was 1991. They were celebrating 50 years of Captain America. So you've got the little, the little art box on the, on the bottom corner. I have 50 of these, I think. 
came it came out of a collection. Yes, there there were yes, D- Douglas. There were there were a number a number of covers, and it was. And they, this is back before Marvel was doing everything a variant cover. This is when all five of the covers made a a collage. You you line them all five up, and it's the entire thing. So each cover is a piece of the of the overall wall of art. So I've got fifty of these, and I keep doing a search, hoping that they've got any kind of value at all, and they don't. Um, so one of these days. When I'm old and gray, <clears throat> older and grayer, I will likely have 50 of the last 100 remaining copies on the planet, at which point they might have some value and I can sell them to cover the cost of the funeral. Or something like that, right? But yeah, I have, I have a number of those. They're... See, but this 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 is why you don't do a thousand different kind of covers because the proliferation of all of these you know the collectible covers and stuff eventually they they lose their value because there are so many of them and people decide they don't care anymore I'm not I'm not because the retailers have to buy you know depending on the ratio on the order you know, whether it's a 25 to 1 or a 50 to 1 or a 100 to 1, you have to buy a certain number of the main book in order to get one of a variant cover. So if you have 12 variant covers and you have to buy 20 of the main book to get one of the variants, then you're ending up ordering 240 books in the hopes that you're going to sell those 240 in order to get the 12. And even then, you've got only one each of the 12, and you'd better hope that you've got somebody ready to collect those. Uh, Do I have Death of Superman? Yes, I do. I have original, maybe not mint... But they're bagged and boarded. I do have that whole run. Uh, when when Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, I have I have I think I have all of those. Those those I had to go back and find. But when that happened and John Byrne rebooted Superman, I got all six issues of Man of Steel, John Byrne's Man of Steel reboot. And then I started collecting all of the Superman titles starting there. The ones, you know, and eventually they started doing the little diamonds on the cover so you know which one is next. I have maybe four or five years straight of all of those titles, all four of those Superman books, because they were coming out one every week. There was a new Superman title every week. They had Adventures of Superman, they had Superman, they had Superman, Man of Steel, and they had... um, Oh, what was the fourth one? Um, Action Comics. I can't believe I forgot Action Comics. So you had those four, and they were rotating one week, and they were telling the continuing storyline. Everything everything kept through. It was, it was years of continuity. The story just kept going and going and going. And Death of Superman was right in the middle of all of that. So, yeah, I do have, I do have that. Um, and I want to say I've got a couple, 
a couple of copies of a few of those. Um, I know I have a, I know I have two copies. There was a book when Superman first came back after the whole reign of the Superman thing. And when Superman actually came back as Superman, there was a cover and I want to say it was like Superman 50 uh, or Superman 100 where he's, he's breaking through the brick wall. You remember the model? The model where, where Superman is breaking through the brick wall? Well, they did a cover. They did, I think it was either a Superman cover or Action Comics, where he came through the brick wall like in that, like in that model. And I have two copies of that one. Uh, one has never been opened. You know, as soon as I got it, I, I put it in a box and it's, and it's, I, I might be able to make a dollar or two off of the comics that I've got, maybe. Good Not until I'm dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I'm just saying it could happen sooner than later, right? No, but I, I do think that, you know, the collectibles mentality in the comics industry was probably one of the things that did harm to it eventually. Because you have now suddenly, well, not suddenly, but but you have now the idea that comic books are not for kids anymore. They're for collectors. And I think that opened the door to a number of people coming in and and comic books not being for collectors anymore so much as it's now for activists. Because, you know, the first appearance of, the first story with, and da-da-da-da, and now you have these activist writers who come in and they want to do the first fill-in-the-blank, X-and-so, Rainbow Edition, whatever, and it's not about telling a story that kids can enjoy. It's not about telling a story that you can leave out on the table and if somebody is learning to read, they can they can open this thing up and they can learn to read. I mean, that's what comic books did for a lot of people. It's an entry point. It's something, you know, it's easy. You can look at the pictures, you can look at the words, and you learn to read. Uh, a lot of people learned English reading comic books, or at least at least that supplements learning to read, learning English. And nowadays, the the stories are just dreck more than anything else. And I haven't, I haven't picked up a new comic book in forever. The only ones that I have bought in the last, I don't know, five or six years was Marvel's Star Wars number one when Jason Aaron started the run, that brand new one. It's the number one issue, and it hasn't been at Marvel. It was the the first time Star Wars was back at Marvel, so, okay, it's collectible. I'll get it. Action Comics 1000. I've got a couple of copies of that. And uh, Detective Comics 900. You get these milestone issues. I bought those. And I look through them and I read them. You know, they're anthology stories. You got a number of different little short stories in there. Okay, fine. And they're not groundbreaking, but they're milestones in that you're not going to have other comic book titles have runs that long. Because how many... How many Captain Marvel number ones has Marvel kicked out in the last six years? 
Tom, uh, Douglas says, New 52 Batman the Dark Knight was gross and a dumb. Toy Man, or whatever his name was, was killing the cop, using him as a puppet, trying hard to be shy. New 52 did a lot of things to change things up. And I've heard the theory. I know what, the, I know what Ethan has said about New 52 being done in order to change things up enough that they could maintain the licenses on these characters. I don't know how much there is to that, but there are things that Ethan has said that have turned out to be correct. And I would expect him to have a certain amount of insight, having worked at DC for so long and having known some of the people that are involved in, in what new 52 became and then what happened afterwards. Maybe there is a little bit of something to it and maybe there's something to his claim that the ESG funds from the government are are a reason why uh, DC and Marvel are leaning into the whole uh, diversity and inclusion identity politics over story mentality they seem to have. I don't know. I haven't, I, I, if somebody at DC would like to tell me one one way or the other, I'm willing to listen. Maybe maybe we should do that. We just try to get Jim Lee on the show. Let's try to do that. Let's let's see if we can invite Jim Lee to be on the show. Maybe. We'll see. All right. We survived another hour. And I didn't even know what I was going to talk about today. And look at that. We've blown through an hour already. That's how we do. See, I have the gift of gab. I can, I can just make things up. Just talk. All right? I got to go check my beef jerky. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, coming up this weekend, live, uh, not live, we are live from the bunker now. Good morning, Multiverse. Back on Saturday morning, 11 a.m., 10 Central, with the week's headlines. And I'm sure we'll probably go through some of the headlines from the break, from uh, from over Christmas and holidays to uh, to see about uh, things. We'll catch up on some things. And then after Good Morning Multiverse, we've got a new Foreign Bodies Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central. So we do hope you join us for that. And then on Monday, the H2O podcast is back, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 Central. And we will be talking about our New Year's resolutions and uh, continuing the thread out of uh, what I talked about last month on this show so we do hope that you join us for all of that and of course you can join us on all of the different social media platforms facebook instagram twitter pinterest gab minds me we parlor locals and uh if you are so inclined you want to throw some money our way we do take super chats and tip jars and I got to revamp the subscribe star and I'm going to have a conversation with Ryan Gallagher, who is our, our video game guy. He's, he's very well versed on discord. So we're going to try to figure out a plan for our discord channel as well. We do, and we do ask that you sign up for our newsletter and, and that way we'll have that. I'm going to try to do better about that. Uh, Robert, can you get the ex publisher of DC on? You're talking about Dan DiDio. I have sent him an invitation, and at one point we were talking about uh, him coming on. He wanted to take a little bit of break and downtime, and then, then he got the gig at the Adam the the Kubert School, the 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 Kubert School of Comics Arts. So he's been a little busy, but I am going to follow up with him and see if I can get him on. But yes, that would be that would be fun. Um, and if you all have suggestions for guests. 
like Dan DiDio, send us an email, live from the bunker at sci-fi-for-me.com. I also have this idea that I'm going to try to think and, and, and massage a little bit. I'm not quite sure how it's going to look. But I'm thinking I might, on these days when we don't have guests, I might throw out something called the question of the day. And you send your answers in by email, and then I'll read the emails on the air. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, yeah, Robert says he probably has an NDA. The deal would be awesome. There were, there were a couple of things that I think he was probably going to to be resistant talking about. Uh, but there's a lot of material to mine in that conversation, I'm sure. Uh, so that's going to do it for us today. Thanks very much for being here, everyone. Thank you for the lively chat today. And if you have a comment, you're seeing this after the fact uh, and replay, uh, you can leave us a comment, send us an email. Be sure to share these shows, our videos, our channel with your friends. We are we are trying to build up to 2,000 subscribers on YouTube. We just hit 150 over on Odyssey. We do hope you find us over there as well. That's going to do it. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.